Chapter Nineteen of Grace Harlowe's First Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen: A Game Worth Seeing. The second Saturday in February dawned anything but encouragingly. The night before a blizzard had set in, and at one o'clock Saturday afternoon the temperature had dropped almost to zero. The wind howled and shrieked dismally, and to venture out meant to nurse frozen ears as a result of facing the blast. But neither wind nor weather frightened the enthusiastic basketball fans. With knitted and fair caps pulled down over their ears, they gallantly braved the storm. Even the majority of the faculty were in the front seats that had been reserved for them, and by two o'clock every available inch of space in the gallery was filled. The sophomore colours of blue and gold mingled with the red and white of the freshman colours in the decorations that were displayed lavishly about the gymnasium. The faculty, too, wore the colours of their respective favourites, while the president of the college held two immense bouquets, one of red, the other of yellow roses, showing that he at least was impartial. On each side of the gallery a group of girls stood ready to lead their respective classes in the basketball choruses that are sung solely with the object of urging the teams on to deeds of glory. These choruses had been written hurriedly by loyal fans who had more enthusiasm than ability as verse-writers and fitted to popular airs. The fact that they possessed neither rhythm nor style troubled no one. The main idea was to make a great deal of noise in singing them, and nothing else counted. The freshmen and sophomore substitutes were the first to emerge from their dressing-rooms on either side of the gymnasium, dressed in their respective gymnasium suits of black and blue, the sleeves and sailor collars of which were ornamented with their colours. They were greeted with a gratifying burst of song from both sides which lasted until they took their places, eager and alert, ready to make good if the opportunity presented itself. After a brief interval the dressing-room doors opened again and the real teams appeared. This time the burst of song became so jubilantly noisy that the president of the college half rose in his seat as though to signal for order, then, apparently changing his mind, settled himself in his chair, smiling broadly. Immediately the song ended, the referee's whistle blew, and the great game began. From the moment the ball was put in play, it was plain to the spectators that this was to be a game worth seeing. The sophomores, with Virginia Gaines as centre, adopted whirlwind tactics from the start, and the freshmen did little more than defend themselves during the first half, which came to an end without either side scoring. That the freshmen could hold their own was evident, and while the whistle blew for the second half, the freshmen in the gallery applauded their team with renewed vigour. During the brief intermission, Grace and Miriam had clasped hand and vowed to outplay the sophomores in the second half or perish in the attempt. The three other members had thereupon insisted on being included in the vow, and when the five girls trotted to their respective positions at the sound of the referee's whistle, it was with a determination to stoutly contest every inch of the ground. Luck seemed against them, however, for the sophomores scored through the clever play of Virginia Gaines. The freshmen then set their teeth and resolved to die rather than allow the enemy to score again. Then Miriam secured the ball, and dodging and ducking this way and that, she passed the ball to another player, who made the basket and the score was tied. This put the sophomores not only on the anxious seat, but also on their mettle, and try as they might the freshmen found themselves unable to pile up their score. The end of the second half crept nearer and the score still remained tied. Grace, who was becoming more and more apprehensive as the minutes passed, stood anxiously watching the ball, which was being played perilously near their opponent's goal. Catching the eyes of Miriam, who stood nearest it, Grace made a desperate little upward motion, 
Miriam understood and redoubled her efforts to secure the ball, which she finally did by springing straight up into the air and intercepting it on its way to the basket. A shout went up from the freshman which grew to a roar. Miriam had thrown the ball unerringly to Grace, who caught it, and facing quickly toward the freshman goal, balanced herself on her toes preparatory to tossing her prize into the basket. "'She'll never make it,' groaned a freshman, but her remark was lost in the clamour. With one quick, comprehensive glance, Grace measured the distance, then with a long, swift overhand toss she sent the ball curving through the air. It dropped squarely into the basket, bounded up in the air, then dropped gently into place. For the next few minutes pandemonium reigned in the gymnasium. The happy freshmen burst into song and drummed on the floor in expression of their glee. The freshman team had outplayed that of the sophomores. Only once before in the history of the college had such a thing occurred. To Grace Harlow and Miriam Nesbitt was given the principal credit for this latest victory. Grace's gold toss had been a record-breaker. Never had a freshman been known to make such a toss. Now that the excitement was over, Grace felt suddenly weak in the knees. She started for a seat at the side of the gymnasium, but before she reached it there was a rush from the freshman class. Her classmates lifted her to their shoulders and began parading about the gymnasium floor, singing, "'The sophomore class is looking sad, tra-la-la, tra-la-la. I wonder what has made her mad, tra-la-la, tra-la-la. Her coaching was in vain. The freshman team has won again. Little sophomores run away. Come again some other day.' Then there followed a song that brought a shout of laughter from hundreds of throats, and one in which the sophomores did not join. Backward, turn backward, O oh ball in your flight. Why did you drop in the basket so tight? Sadly the sophomores are ruining the day. They asked a freshman in their yard to play. Sophomore banners are hung at half-mast. Sophomore tears are falling so fast. Sophomore faces are turned toward the wall. Sophomore pride has had a hard fall. Grace had been seized and carried around and around the gymnasium on the shoulders of her exulting classmates, who sang lustily as they marched, then gently deposited her in the dressing-room. Miriam had also received that honour. When the two girls left the dressing-room twenty minutes later, they were taken charge of by a delegation of admiring freshmen, and informed that there would be a dinner given that night at Vinton's in honour of them. An air of deep gloom pervaded the sophomore dressing-room, however. Virginia Gaines dressed in gloomy silence. One or two of her team had ventured to speak to her. She answered so shortly that they did not trouble her further, but went out talking among themselves as soon as they had changed their gymnasium suits for street clothing. Outside her, Freda waited impatiently. "'I thought you were never coming,' grumbled the stout girl. Then the unpleasant side of her disposition, which she had tried to eliminate during her brief friendship with the Oakdale girls, came to the surface, and she said maliciously, "'I thought you said they couldn't play, Virginia.' "'Funny, wasn't it, that you had such a poor idea of their playing? "'It was the best game I ever saw, but all the star playing was on the freshman side.' "'Virginia's face grew dark. "'Stop trying to be sarcastic,' she stormed. "'I won't stand it. Do you hear me?' "'Yes, I hear you. I'm not deaf,' returned Alfreda dryly. "'As for standing it, you don't have to. Good-bye.' "'Turning sharply about, she set off in the opposite direction, "'her hands in her pockets, a look of intense disgust on her round face. "'That's the end of that,' she muttered.' I'll move tomorrow. This time it will have to be out of Wayne Hall, unless... Then she shook her head almost sadly. Not there, she added. She wouldn't have me for a roommate. End of chapter 19